Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. We are back in our series, Citizens of the Kingdom. Uh, Jeremiah, my buddy Jeremiah, who is running our youth for the last two years, he's in Santa Cruz right now with all of his Jesus-loving hair and beard, uh, teaching Bible at, um, I mean, how about that? They hire a guy that looks exactly like all of the white Jesus paintings that you grew up with, uh, surfer Jesus with a VW van. Uh, He's doing good, so be praying for him in Cambria, his wife, if they have a lot of transition in their lives. Um, But uh, he was here last week, and uh, I know you were blessed by it. This morning, though, we're talking about uh, Jesus circling back to this idea of prayer. In fact, two weeks back, we looked at Jesus uh, really giving us the laydown of this is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. Judge not lest you be judged. And then he also talked about having discernment as a citizen of the kingdom, that we wouldn't cast our pearls before the swine. And now we look at this, this, this idea again of prayer. In chapter 6, in fact, if you haven't been with us during this journey through this series, you can go on our website and you can listen to some of those messages. But in chapter 6, we got a model, if you would, of what prayer is supposed to be, where Jesus utters these words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us or are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. So that really is the model. These are the things that we are supposed to have within our, uh, the context of prayer. Worshiping God, asking God's provision, uh, asking him to forgive us, releasing those that uh, have sinned against us and forgiving them asking God to protect us as we walk through this life. Today's really about encouragement to actually do that, to pray. And we get this, this understanding that was really mind-blowing for the disciples and everybody who's, who's read the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 since then is that he called God our Father. Now that's an understanding that we need to grab a hold of if we're truly going to be people that actually receive the resources that God offers Every one of his kids. It's Matthew 7. Let's read together verse 7 through 11. Jesus says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, meaning that we're not God. We don't have God's nature. We are sinful human beings. If you and I, who are sinful human beings, would do the right thing and give what's needed to our kid who's asking is what Jesus is saying. How much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? What an incredible encouragement for you and I to have this morning before us as we face all kinds of circumstances in life that we have a Father in heaven who simply says to you and I, the needs that you have, ask. The needs that you have, seek. The doors that you need open, knock. And God will respond. How do these things come to us? Jesus said, ask, seek, Knock, and he promises to respond. Again, 
What a comforting set of verses for us. As we remember that life is a journey. It's a journey of faith. And it's filled with opportunities that you're going to have this week and this month and this year. It's filled with some trouble. Hello? There we go. (laughs) It's filled with some drama. It's filled with some uncertainties. In fact, we move out in this journey a lot like Abraham. It says in Genesis that he went out not knowing where he was going. But here's the catch. He knew with whom he was going with. And you and I have a traveling companion through our life as we journey through this life by faith. We have a traveling companion. The future is unknown, but we can move forward with trust and assurance that whatever the challenge is, God will meet that challenge with us. As human beings, we're the heir of a lot of drama and a lot of trouble. But as a Christian, as a Christian man or woman this morning, you and I have that incredible promise that we have this companion that will be with us. Jesus who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, he says, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's the key. You see, when we talk about this encouragement to prayer, uh, to pray, we think about how do I connect my life and how do you connect your life to God's resources that he's willing to give to you and I? How does that happen? Well, it's, it's, it's through this relationship that we have with the Father. And it's through this, this understanding that we ask. He knows exactly what we need. He told us in chapter 6. But now he promises to answer when we ask and we seek and we knock. And I love what C.H. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of a couple you know, centuries back, he said this uh, about prayer. He says, prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so at it at a leisurely pace. Others give it an occasional jerk at the rope, but he who communicates with heaven is the person who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. I would want to ask the question this morning, will all that you and I face and all the things that you and I want to see happen in our lives that we know are directly connected to God, really God moving in answer to prayer, How does that describe your life if you think about prayer like that? Is it something that you just scarcely pull every so often? Or do you grab a hold of that rope and ring that bell in the ears of God saying, God, I am desperate for you to move in my life. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about. It's it's an invitation for divine intervention. Do, Do you need that in your life this morning? How about your family life? Any families need God's divine intervention like right now you need God to move in your life? I'm glad everyone has a perfect life here this morning. (laughs) You should all write books, literally. How about in our church? How about in this community? You see, God, you didn't just plant us in this community so that we can do awesome luau's, which we're going to do. But this wasn't just so that you and I could create a fun little space for us and our kids to run around. God has called you and I to be a part of reaching the broken and the hurting and the lost who this morning are wondering if there's even a reason to live. And that happens. God uses churches that will grab a hold of that rope and jerk and pull and say, God, we are desperate for you to use our lives. There's no formula, by the way. This is all about a relationship which is so good for us to understand. We're not going to give you some religious observances to do this week, and that's going to unlock prayer for your life. That's not how it works. 
It's about a relationship with God. Our mission, as you leave and you see in your bulletin, is that we might help people know Jesus. That means that we want people to know him intimately, not to know about him, but we want you to know him personally, intimately, like a savior, a friend, and here, as Jesus says, your heavenly father who wants to be close with you. This father is loving, he's capable, and now we see that he is willing. He's granted us access and given us permission to ask and to seek and to knock. So what does it take, this life of faith? What does it take to receive from him? There's really two things that I want to pull from this passage this morning. Number one is this. It takes praying with perseverance. And number two, it takes praying with faith. Perseverance. We'll start with that. Jesus says these words, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, the original language is uh, this particular set of, of verbs is in the, the present imperative. And here's what it means. It means it's a continuous action. So that's the idea. So you might want to write next to your Bible. It says, ask, write, continually ask, continually seek, continually knock. It's an ongoing action that describes a person who's desperate and is persistent in seeing God come and move in their life. It's a continual thing. The Lord is showing us our need to be persistent at it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that God wants to do in your life and certainly wants to do in my life, but simply because we get uh, weak and we get a little discouraged, we sort of stop short of that answer coming in our life. But here's this idea to be persistent at it in our prayer life. In Luke's gospel, Jesus told us a parable. He says in verse 1 of chapter 18 of the gospel of Luke, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And then he told the stories about this widow who went to a, a king who did not fear God, didn't care about people, but this widow went to him daily and says, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And at the end of the parable, Jesus describes a man who was worn out just worn out. He says, though I don't fear God, nor do I even care about human beings, I'm going to grant her request lest this lady kill me from coming continually with, at me. It's like a kid day one of summer, right? Like, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? You're like, dear God, get us to, you know, August 26 quickly or whatever the date is. I don't remember and I don't have to, which is awesome. <laughs> I went to Tilly's yesterday, and I'm like, you know what I don't have to ever do? Buy a backpack ever again for my own children. It felt really good. I'm like, how much is that one? Oh, that's 800 Okay, that's good. I feel better. It's a Jansport. <laughs> like, how many Jansports did you and I throw away back from the 80s and 90s? Oh, we could have made so much money on eBay, all kinds of words. But anyways, uh, it's almost like he's giving you a permission to say, God, I'm not giving up. I need justice. I need mercy. I need your intervention. He told us that parable so that you and I would not lose heart, that we should always pray and never give up. So we ask and we seek and we knock. What does that mean, though? Does it, does it mean that you and I have sort of a free-for-all relationship with God? Well, no, he's a father. And a good father will withhold things that you and I are so dumb to ask him for. If you and I say, oh, God, I really want to have a million. Has anyone ever got a scratcher? Let's just be shoot straight with me right now. Does anybody do that? <laughs> Has anyone prayed before they scratched it off? Just raise your hand. You have. <laughs> I, my insurance guy sent me like a, a, a scratcher. I'm like, Lord, 
Here we go. I, I, put, I put it right in the middle of Matthew chapter 7, left it overnight, closed it up. Like, oh my gosh, axe, seek, knock, okay, scratch. And uh, I won two bucks. There we go. If God had allowed like a bunch of zeros at the end of that, probably destroy my life, right? You wouldn't be sitting in the cafeteria today, uh, not because I would quit my job, but because we would, we would go and say, hey, uh, Clovis Hills, we're going to need to uh, take over your facility. <laughs> Here's some money, right? There's a lot of things that you and I pray for, and God is so good. He's such a good father that he withholds it like a good parent would. This is going to be to your destruction. So no, veto. Sorry, you're not going to get that. That's not how it works in my kingdom. We want to allow scripture to interpret scripture too. Uh, we gain that God's a father. He's a good one. So he gives us good gifts, things that will never lead us to harm, which we'll get to in a few seconds or a few moments. But we read in John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, John says this in verse 14 through 15. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Notice that. As a disciple of Jesus, you and I have already surrendered our hearts when we look at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, that we are people, men and women, who are surrendered to his kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, if this isn't your will, I don't want it to be a part of my life. But the things that you do want to be a part of my life, I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep persisting as I seek, and I'm going to keep persistently knocking until you open those doors. He says, and since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. He's a father, not a genie. Can you think of things that you've asked God for? And you look back now and you say, man, that would have taken me in a whole different direction. A relationship, a job, some new opportunity. You think about the closed doors that have come your way. Those are gifts from God because he loves you and I so much. And he wants to work in your life, and he has a plan for your life, but we got to trust it. But the things he does want to do, we got to keep asking. we got to keep knocking. At, at the time, we don't understand when those doors shut. We say, Lord, this would be so good, this job or this relationship or this opportunity. But we keep pressing on. We keep knocking, knowing that God will open the right door because he's a God and he's a father who knows Everything that is best for your life and my life. And we got to trust that. Perseverance and persistence in prayer. It gives us a mental picture of someone who's very serious about the things of God. Much like that, that picture of the one who might stir the bell every so often at a leisurely pace. Or someone occasionally giving a jerk at it. And then there's that one that say, God, I'm so serious about my relationship with you. I'm so desperate for you to move my life, God. My, my life is really being consumed by this thought of seeking your face. Being dedicated to God with your time, wanting to hear from him in his word, seeking to live for him as a citizen of the kingdom, it leads to this kind of persistent praying. And if you and I are going to see God move in our lives to answer to prayer, it's going to mean efforts on our part. There's going to be work on your part. There's a passage in Colossians where Paul references a guy named Epaphras. He says, hey, that dude is always laboring in prayer for you until Christ is formed in you. That is a person who knows that a spiritual work is only going to come about through spiritual means. How many of you have some kids this morning 
that you're like, oh, I'm going to send them off to school tomorrow, and I, I want to see great things happen in their life. Lord, let them, let them hit their first pitch. Let them, you know, do all the things that we as parents want for our kids. There's a far greater, more significant, more important, more eternally important thing that needs to take place in your kids' lives. And if you are not asking, seeking, and knocking on their behalf, who is? You think about that. This is something Tammy and I talk about all the time. If we're not seeking you, God, on behalf of our children, and you think like, oh, we're empty nesters. I'm not gonna lie, it's awesome. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't tell my kids that, but it's great. But we're not done. The easy lifting was making them listen to Salty. Right? No, this is your jam. Oh, I know your friends are listening to this. No, sorry. This is what you get to listen to the rest of your life. Right? And then occasional, you know, some other Christian music. You like some Phil Wickham? No, I don't. Yes, you do. There's like Jedi tricks you could do with your kids when they're little. 21, 24, 18. I'm never praying. Tammy's never praying more for our kids. Want to know why? Because I remember being 18 and 21 and 24. Persistence in prayer. I mean, gang, let's just shoot straight. I want to see God do some spiritual, miraculous things in my life, my family's life, and in your lives as my, my church family. But that comes through people who are willing to labor and to be serious about the things of God. I, I really hope that all of us, including myself, I prayed this morning with our setup crew, as we had delicious burritos, if you ever want to have a delicious burrito, you can join our setup crew. And, uh, and you too can be among those who will have great mansions in heaven, setting churches up. <laughs> You're like, oh, you got a burrito, you don't get anything. That's not how it works. Uh, we're grateful for those guys and girls that help us make church happen every week. Like, we were talking before, I'm like, man, this is something I want God to do this morning in all of our lives. Something, this, this, just because I've put a message together this week has nothing to do with the fact that I've actually lived it out. It's one of those things that, God, this is what I need more than anything right now, is to be persistent in your face, asking you to move and expecting you to move as a father. We're going to have to be persistent. It's hard to hear in our microwave instant culture, though, isn't it? When they say, God, I, I want you to move. Oh, you didn't move. Oh, I'm giving up. Remember, do you remember, um, do you know that this generation does not know life without the internet? How many of you guys know life without the internet? How many of you guys remember connecting for the first time? <laughs> You're like, okay, wire. Oh, dang it, got that wire connected. You know what I mean? You got the landline, and then someone calls you. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to get on the internet. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, okay, it's going. Go make a sandwich, wash the car, <laughs> watch an episode of some TV show, and then boom, you connected. <laughs> I and mean, that's the way it was. And these kids are like, ah, I hate this. This is a 6S. I can't believe you, Dad. You, I thought you loved me. <laughs> How about like just like be the days before quick oats? We're just like five minutes, just stirring that stuff up. <laughs> Man, we just want stuff so quick. Now it's, Lord, I'm asking you to open this door. Never mind. It's effort. 
There's a man uh, that was blind who heard Jesus in a procession. He was headed towards Jericho and headed towards Jerusalem for that final week of his life on earth. And as he was heading towards Jericho, there was a blind man who was sitting there. Hey, what's up? Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And as Jesus began to come by, this blind man who was a beggar began to cry out, Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And everyone went, shut up, shush. And we read that this man cried out all the louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. Can I ask you, what is squelching your cry to God this morning? Is it somebody saying, give up on that dream? Is it somebody who is saying, I don't believe God answers prayers? Is it your own discouragement this morning who's telling you, shh, don't cry out after the Savior anymore? I love this blind man. He said, Jesus, he's like, shh, you shush. I can't see where he is right now, but I'm going to keep crying out louder. And then Jesus says, hey, bring him over to me. What do you want me to do? I love when Jesus does stuff like that. What do you want? Um, I was hoping for a tuna sandwich. I'd actually like to see. Okay. And he got healed that day because he continued to cry out. If we're going to see that kind of blessing in our life, promises of God showing up in our life, it's going to take persistence. Keep asking. Keep seeking. This, it just is like an intensification of the same idea, asking, seeking, and knocking. Like the widow. He can make it happen for me, and I'm not giving up. Jesus said this, Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That is, a, a persistent person in prayer is, is a person who's hungry and thirsty for God to move in their life. But you notice that, that term, those terms, those who hunger and thirst for God's kingdom and his righteousness, those are the ones who are going to be filled. We understand both physical and mental hunger, don't we? We're desperate for this to happen. What keeps you from, from that kind of praying, from that kind of hungering and thirsting? I would venture to say that you and I face discouragement. That's why we need each other, by the way. That's why we do luau's and things like that, so that we could be around each other. That's why we encourage you to jump into a small group. That's why I encourage you to receive prayer on both sides of the room after the service and during our last time of worship, because we all get discouraged and we need someone to say, hey, keep pressing on, man. I'm with you in this. You know some other reason why I find myself lacking in persistence in prayer is becoming lukewarm. You just sort of start allowing this world to creep in your life. You start giving in to little pet sins. You start allowing uh, less time dedicated to the things of God, more time to the things of this life and this world, the things that literally just aren't going to matter in 100 years. And, and most of it won't even matter in six months. And you just sort of get lukewarm. Anyone else feel that before? You just kind of go, man, I'm just in a lukewarm state of life. I know I should get up and pray. I know I should read God's word. I just don't feel like it right now. Man, you gotta, you got to shake that off of your life, and so do I. we got to be dissatisfied with a lukewarm Christian walk, and we've got to say, God, I want more. I want to seek you. I want to knock. I want to ask, and I want to receive. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. You might have this verse somewhere in your house. It might be on your body in the form of a tattoo. <laughs> he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel regarding their little time out they had for 70 years in Babylon. So if kids ever complain about something, take them to this passage and go, listen, I'm giving you a 30-minute time out, okay? It could get worse. 70 years. 
He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. What a great promise for us this morning. But verse 12 goes on and says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And then verse 13 says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I think we get this. David said in Psalm 55, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. That is a desperate person who's saying, God, I can only meet these challenges through the spiritual resources that heaven has to offer, and I need them. I need them desperately. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't respond the moment you and I pray? Why do we have to be persistent? Well, here's one reality. If God gave you and I the answers to our prayers in 30 seconds or less, that would be the sum total of your prayer life because you would be counting down. 29, 28, and you'd be like, oh, that's awesome. See you tomorrow, God. But he's a father, and he wants to cultivate relationship. And by the way, you being in his presence, persistently praying and asking him to move, it will be the best part of your life, not only on this side of heaven, but that relationship that you grew on this side of heaven will be yours in plain sight when you step into eternity. That's some of the reason why I'm convinced that God, uh, just like when your kids are like, ah, oh, I want to do this. Hey, come over here. Let me snuggle with you. This is like when they're little and not like less irritating. But you know what I mean? Like, let's watch a movie. Let's cuddle. And then, you know, then I'm going to go and do this thing for my child. God wants time with you. And by the way, you need it. And so do I. And so that's why there's some delay. There's also spiritual warfare that we don't see. You know, we live in a culture right now where, you know, something doesn't happen and it's like, oh, it's just life and it's just this. Man, you got a, you got a devil who's after you. you. You have a target on your back. And if you leave this morning saying, I'm more dedicated to be persevering in prayer, being persistent at it, asking, seeking, and knocking, you might as well, you, you've opened up your life to even more attack. So that's part of the reason why there's, you read in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed for 21 days, an angel shows up and said, hey, I got the answer for you. I, I left 21 days ago, but there was a big old battle that took place. There's spiritual warfare that happens. You know, there's also just timing. There are things God wants to do in your life. I think of Hannah, Hannah, sweet little Hannah back in the, the Old Testament, right? Married to a guy who has dedicated his life to the Lord. She was dedicated to the Lord, except she had one problem. She wanted to be desperate to have a child. And, and yet she would go with her husband, journey the three times a year to go celebrate the feasts of Israel and to honor God. And, and you know, which was a beautiful time that she would not have had had she been raising children at that time. And, and she was oh, so sad. And yet her husband was like, you know, why are you so sad? Am I not as good as 10 husbands or 10 sons? Husbands, we say the dumbest things at the most worst time ever, <laughs> right? I mean, can, let's just, ladies, can I just get an amen? That's your one chance. One chance you had. And she's like, I'm done having this conversation with you. I'm going to go talk to God. She went to the temple. She prayed. There was Samuel in there. He's like, woman, give up your drink. She's like, I'm not drunk. It's 10 a.m. And she said, I am a broken woman. And he said, the Lord's going to answer your prayer. And she just wrapped it up. She left. She got pregnant. She had a child. Actually, it was Samuel was the child that was born to her. And she said these words, for this child I prayed. Why, why the delay? Why, what, what took so long for God to, to allow this woman to uh, have a baby? 
There was something that he needed to do in, in her heart. She got to the place where she's like, Lord, you give me a son, I'm going to give him to you. And that was the change that needed to happen. And you know where that takes place? Not looking at Instagram and seeing a cool quote. Oh, that's the change I needed. It's getting on your knees and being persistent in prayer. I talked about being persistent in prayer. The second thing is this, is faith, praying in faith. Believing that God as Father will come through. And then he gives us an illustration of the nature, the giving nature of God. By the way, this is not a faith in prayer. Coffee mugs, little slogans, you know, prayer changes things. Yes and no. Prayer doesn't change anything. There's nothing magical about prayer. There's no set of words that you and I can say that just is like unlocks the, the, the magic, you know, in God's kingdom. God changes things and the vehicle is communicating to him. We call that praying. That's when change happens. And you and I pray with persistence, but we also have a great understanding that it's God who's our father through adoption, who loves us desperately, and he gives us an illustration saying, if you, as a jacked up dad, know how to take care of your kids and give them the things that they need and they're asking for, how much more? It's this argument of lesser to greater. How much more? So we pray in faith. This prayer that is based uh, on faith is about a relationship. It's faith or trust in the Father who we belong to, and he promises to give us when we ask. He promises that we will find when we seek, and he promises to open doors when we knock continuously. This belief and trust in him. Why? Why, why does he do this? Because he's a loving father, and because you and I belong to him. Now, this isn't like this universal fatherhood of God that, you know, people talk about and Oprah talks about, like, we're all God's children. No, we're not. You and I are born his enemies. You and I are born as children of wrath, the Bible says. You and I, when we get to that spot in our life where we recognize that we've sinned and dishonored God and broken his commands, and we become what the Bible describes as being born anew or born again, where your spiritual life is reborn, made new, you become the child of God. You become adopted as his child. You become an heir of his kingdom with his son, Jesus. And that's how you and I become and, and enter into his family and have this incredible privilege of praying and praying, asking, seeking, and knocking. Uh, John tells us in John 1:12, but to all who believe, say that with me, to all who what? Believed. It doesn't say to all who went to church 52 times a week, a year. That's a lot in one week, isn't it? Like going, dang, man, I knew praying was going to be hard, but 52 times. It doesn't say everyone who has their life together, everyone who stops sinning. It says to all who believed, he gave the right to become the children of God. By nature, we're children of wrath. That's what the Bible says. We're born in rebellion to God. And when we receive his forgiveness, we're born again. We're adopted into his family. We receive not only a new nature, but we receive a new opportunity in a relationship with God as our father. This new position as a son or daughter of the king. Uh, John was so blown away by this. He says in 1 John chapter 3, See how very much our father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. That would revolutionize your prayer life this week. That you would go before God and you would yank on that rope, ringing the bell in heaven's ears, knowing that it's not a reluctant God who's sort of disinterested in your life, but an actual willing father who loves you more than any earthly parent could ever love you. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones is an author I read a lot. Super incredible Bible teacher from Great Britain. Amazing stuff. Not enough coloring pages in his commentaries, but I worked through it. He says this, if you should ask me to state in one phrase what I regard as the greatest defect in most Christian lives, I would say it is our failure to know God as Father as we should know him. See, that's the thing that would change the way you and I pray. I'm not going to try to like convince him to do something any more than he said a little boy saying, hey, dad, can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Go play in the freeway, kid. Did anyone have a grandparent that was like that? <laughs> Boy, they could get away with a lot way back in the day, right? Hey, kids, go play on the freeway. Okay. Now it's like, you can't even cross the street without a helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, <laughs> GPS. Beep, 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 beep. What happened? They went off the grass on our side of the sidewalk. Could be part of our problem too, but that's a different sermon, isn't it? He said, if we knew... Martin Lloyd joined said of the, this relationship with the Father. He said, you and I would face every possibility and eventuality that lies ahead with a smile. I love that. As a father, he watches over me. He cares for me. He has a plan and purpose for me, and he has one for you too. He's interested in my life. He's interested in your life and the things that concern me, the things that concern you, and he provides for my needs. I heard a statement years back, way back. It said, if God had a wallet, he would have your picture in it. Do you actually believe that this morning? Like, if he had an iPhone, it would be the 10, right? And your picture would be somewhere in the cloud, lost like all the rest of the parents and grandparents. Like, I know it's here somewhere. That's how much he loves you. So it's not trying to overcome his reluctancy. He says, pray with persistence because God's doing a work and it takes time. But also pray in faith. You have a father who loves you and he wants to provide for you. And Jesus argues from lesser to greater. He says, which one of you as a dad? He appeals to the dad heart. Dad, I'm hungry. Here, kid, chew on this rock. <laughs> we do anything for our kids, right? In fact, we have done things that actually haven't been good for our kids. Shield them from struggles and pain in life. Take them to Disneyland 40 times. And then we're shocked when they get jobs. They're like, oh, I quit. Why? Because my boss told me something that I didn't like. I'm not speaking from experience. I make my kids keep their jobs. <laughs> I'm just saying that I grew up with that generation. Entitled. Clovis West kid, graduate 1989. What do you, want me, what do you mean you want me to clean off the gym equipment? Because that's what I hired you for. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to rethink this. God is so much better than you and I. God's like going, yeah, sorry, we ain't going 40 times to Disneyland. Go out there and mow the lawn, right? That's, that's a good parent. I don't want to retry, by the way. So don't start praying for Tammy and I. Oh, Lord, just bless them with a the little love baby in their emptiness years. <laughs> I if I find out you start praying like that, dude. He's a good God. I'm not saying it would be bad. I'm just saying that we've had this discussion, and uh, it's eeny, meeny, miny, and we don't want no mo. That's what it is. <laughs> James 1, he tells us, whatever is good and perfect, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Whatever is good, 
whatever is perfect, whatever is good for your life, keep seeking it. Keep asking God to bring that in your life. Whatever is right in your life, you keep asking God, bring that right stuff, bring that good stuff, that stuff that comes down from a perfect father. God's gifts are not evil. He wouldn't give us anything that would lead us harm or lead us away from him. Sometimes we get the idea that God is against us for not answering the prayers that we, the way that we wanted. But he sees all and he knows all and he knows what would be harmful for you and he withholds that from you and from me. God is for us and he's for our good. And so we must come to God even as Jesus encourages us here as a child does a parent and say, God, would you give me bread? And he says, you as an earthly father, yet evil, would give bread. God, I would like a tuna sandwich. And God says, you as a father would give your son a tuna sandwich and fish. You would never give him a snake. You'd never give him a stone. If a child is so foolish like we are to ask for a snake or a stone, God being good would still give us bread and fish. He gives us what we need in our lives. The Father knows how to give the good things and not honor our foolish, child-hearted requests. The idea is that we have a Father who deeply loves us. He will give us what we need. And he reminds us, if you do these things, if you as a Father do these things, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? He has abundant resources for you. This week, his abundant resources for me and my family this week. We should trust him in the same way this child comes by faith knowing this good father is going to actually provide bread and fish when they ask. Here's a last encouragement for you. We're encouraged to pray with persistency, right? Dependency based on this relationship of trust as a father and his child. So what do we do? Pray. I'll be honest, I don't need to read another book about prayer. I, I mean, any more than I need to, I'm not, if I ever write a book about prayer, please buy it. I don't want to feel bad about my life. I'm just saying, what else can we say? I don't need to read a book about breathing. I'm just going to keep breathing, Right? The most important takeaway would be for you this week to say, God, I'm serious about my relationship. And that will reflect in the time that you're willing to spend with God. Am I suggesting you set aside an hour a day? No, I'm not. Because I think that you'll trip up and fail and you'll be discouraged. And next week, you want a rerun message. I am saying, pick First of all, make a priority of this. You and I do what's important to us. How many of y'all got a fantasy football league coming up? Shoot straight. You got fantasy football going on, okay? You are to tithe on the winnings. <laughs> you, you guys saw those hands go up, right? Keep track with these guys and girls on uh, social media. See how they're doing. We make time for stuff that's a priority for us. I can't think of anything to be more important for you this week than to carve out time with your Heavenly Father and see what He does. You, you, you got to make it a priority. You got you to find a place. And that place might shift and change. 
For you, it might be to go take a walk outside at night. It might be to take a walk in the morning. It might be to go sit in your car at lunchtime. It might be to have time at your coffee table in the morning. It might be sitting in your bed, praying and asking God and be desperate before him there. I don't know where your place is, but I do know this about my life. If I don't make it a priority and if I don't have a place and a time on my calendar, this is when I'm going to meet with God the Father. It doesn't happen in my life. And I would, I would imagine that it's the same for you. We can all try to live on good intentions, right? Oh, I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a good marriage. That's a great intention. Go on a date. That would actually show that your intention has some teeth to it, right? You're not going to have a better relationship with your kids, spouse, coworkers, anybody, including God, unless you actually make some effort and put it into that relationship. So my suggestion this morning as we close out our time in prayer and worship is you actually just write that down in your bulletin. God, this is when I'm going to carve out time for you. God, this is when I'm going to meet with you. This is when I'm, the time I'm going to spend with you. And then you tell Siri on the way home, Siri, set, set, set this meeting time with God. Try it this week. Let us know how God is working in your life. There's that connection card, by the way, with prayer opportunities. You could put any kind of prayer request on there. There are men and women that love you and care for you and are, are bombarding heaven on your behalf with those prayer requests. What I love is the occasional, like, hey, I want to give an update. Here's what God has been doing. I would love to hear your God stories over the coming weeks as you get serious, as I get serious, as we get serious about being persistent in prayer and praying in faith, knowing we have a father who's not reluctant, but he's willing to give us the good things when we ask. You know, I began this you know, time and this talk about talking about the fact that unless you are a person who's born again, you have a relationship with God, these promises are not for you. It's not that God doesn't want to offer them to you. They just, they begin in your life when you actually submit your heart to him and you become his child. Being a Christian, has, does, is, you don't become a Christian by going to church any more than going to the garage makes you an automobile. I was going to say going to a donut shop makes you a cop, but I respect our authorities way too much. <laughs> Being a Christian has nothing to do with trying harder or trying to be a better person or improve yourself. Those, all those things are maybe byproducts of knowing God, but being a Christian means you're ready to surrender your heart to him. Realize that you've sinned against the holy God, which everyone in this room in this entire world has. And God loves you. And you look back 2,000 years ago and you see a cross with a perfect Savior, Jesus, hanging on it. And what happened on that cross is that God exchanged all of your sin and laid it on his own son. And he absorbed all of that punishment that our sin deserved because God is a just God and he's a judge. And he judged your sin and my sin there at the cross. And he exchanged all of his beauty and righteousness and put it to your account. And when you decide to surrender your heart, what happens is the Bible says you become born anew and your sins are forgiven and you begin this new relationship with God. Millions and millions and millions of people have made that decision over the past centuries. And I would venture to say there are hundreds of thousands this morning across churches throughout this world who are making that decision. If you've never surrendered your heart, I can't think of a better time than to begin a brand new relationship with God by faith 
to walk out of here this morning knowing you have God as your advocate, God as your savior, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you will take your last breath on this planet in the very next, in the very presence of God for all eternity in heaven, not because you were righteous, not because you did it and you went to church, but because you had belief in his son. To all who believed, Jesus said, he gave the right to become the children of God. If you want to become his child this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer up here from this stage. We're going to close out in the time of worship. But right where you're sitting, we can tell God together what you want him to do in your life. Would you bow your heads with me now? Father, thank you for this great privilege of mine, God, to share your word with my friends or my church family. And God, what, a, what an honor it is, God, to, to read your word together, God. What an honor it is to learn about who you are, Lord, and the kind of giving nature that you have and Lord, also to learn, Jesus, that, that, that if there are some things that we want to see, the good things that you want to give to us, that Lord, it's going to take some seriousness on our part, Lord, some dedication on our part. So would you help, my friends, to, to move out this week with more determined to be serious about the things of God? Would you help us to shake off the lukewarmness, God, that creeps into my life and creeps into my friends' lives? And Father, would you help us to seek your face, God, to know you well, and Lord, to see you move in answer to prayer. God, I'm also praying, God, there are many people here today, I don't know, Lord, who knows you or who doesn't, but I do know that you love each and every person here. And I do know the ones that don't know you yet, God, you're calling them to you. Your word says that you stand, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and he or she who hears my voice opens the door that you will come in and you will dine with us, Lord, meaning that you'll have a relationship with us, but we are the people that have to open up that door. Lord, would you open up hearts this morning and show people how desperate they are for you today? You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you want to say, hey, Gordon, would you pray for me? Today I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Today I want my sins forgiven. Today I want to begin a relationship with him by faith. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift up your hand. Lift it up boldly. Hold it up in place. Let's tell God together what you want him to do in your life. Anybody here this morning, you want your sins forgiven. You want to begin a relationship with God by faith. And he loves each and every one of you, but it begins with you taking a step of faith towards him. And he will meet you right where you're at this morning. God bless you, man. Anybody else? Anybody else ready to surrender your heart to the Lord? And there are people praying for you. God bless you. He loves you. Anybody else today, you're ready to surrender your heart to Jesus. You want your sins forgiven too. You want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. You lift your hand as well, and let's pray together today. Anybody else? This closing moment. God bless you, man. He loves you. There are people praying for you right now. It's the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life. Anybody else? You're ready to surrender your heart to him. Listen, for those of you that just raise your hand, man, what a exciting day for you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray just a prayer up here on stage. And the Bible says, really, that prayer is just talking to God. And right where you're sitting, I want you to tell God maybe the same words that I pray or something like them. And the Bible says when you open up your heart to him, he's going to come into your life. He's going to forgive you of your sins. He's going to make you a new person today. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you want to pray with me now as well. You pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, today I recognize to you that I'm a sinner. And today I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins. 
and that you rose from the dead. Lord, I trust you and I follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will from this day forward. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the promise of heaven because of my simple faith in you now. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Listen, I just want to welcome those of you guys that just prayed that prayer. Man, listen, what an awesome, awesome day. Listen, I, I want to uh, encourage you that just prayed that prayer with me. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't. But there's a connection card in your bulletin. Take a moment this morning. Check off saying, today I asked Jesus to be my Savior. There's a little section on the top of that next steps. And drop it in the connection box on your way out. I want to give you some resources that are going to help you grow. Let's all stand this morning as we close out in our time of worship. Again, I've got friends on each side of the room. If today prayer, please take this incredible opportunity to go receive some prayer. Let's worship God this morning.